U.S. Open Week on the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by Ritani. Looking for an engagement ring? Then check out Ritani. Shop online and your ring is made in New York City, the Big Apple, and sent to you straight to your door or to a local jeweler. It's really that easy. Go to Ritani.com sports and do it today for their free diamond giveaway. That's R-I-T-A-N-I dot com slash sports. I could, I could put you on 72. In 72 holes, I could have you on the green every hole. So you've hit every green in regulation. You would not break par. <laughs> I promise you. I could do it to Tiger Woods. I could do it to Jordan Spieth, the best putter in the world today. He would not shoot under par. He could hit every green. I could put him in places on the green. He could not do it. It's not like it's impossible. Somebody always plays well here and shoots some nice scores. But at the end of the day, after four rounds, it'll get you. And uh, it, uh, two, three, four over par uh, will win here in 2016. Hello and welcome to the Golf.com podcast. I am your host, Sean Zock, joined today by my colleague Peter Bukowski, one of the many people who played Oakmont at this year's Media Day. I will be interviewing the Oakmont head pro, Bob Ford, in a few minutes, but first I need to talk with Peter about the course from a layman's perspective, or at least a 18 handicap perspective. Is that right? 18 <laughs> handicap? Yeah, um, yeah, let's go with layman-ish. 18-ish <laughs> layman. All right, Peter, you played the course back in April, correct? Yeah. We've both been walking around it here for a day or so. Weather is not perfect right now, but the course seems perfect. After playing this course back in April, you wrote that it is a perfect test. Yes. That's a lofty compliment. Uh, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I just want to understand uh, why you think Oakmont is the perfect test. Well, so one of the things that I that I wrote about was um, there, there are courses that I think are, are punitive to be punitive, and there are courses that seem punitive but fair. And uh, you stand on every, every tee box and you think, I can make four or I can make three or, or you know, whatever, five, you know, whatever. I, I can make a number. And Gary Van Sickle told me something before the round, and that was every shot. He's never played a course where every shot is there's pressure on every shot because if you don't hit a good drive, you're scrambling to make bogey. And if you don't hit a good approach, you're scrambling to make bogey. And if you don't, so ev- everything builds on that. But the course, you stand on the tee box and you go, I can see the green, I can see the trouble. Yeah. If I if I hit a good drive, I can make four, I can make three even. Uh, it's There's a lot of hidden danger in some ways, yeah. but, but, you know, again, I didn't feel like the course beat me down in in a way that like other courses have like i don't know if you played whistling Mm -hmm. but we saw guys take apart whistling i think whistling is more punitive if you if you miss the fairway than oakmont is it's just that um oakmont keeps you off balance because you might have i like that you might have a 340 yard par four but you might have a 300-yard par three. Yeah. So you, you're never really comfortable in what you're doing, and you have to have a plan every shot. I mean, I know, I know these guys do. The amateur mm-hmm. golfer doesn't. I didn't because I just couldn't. But it's one of those things where it, it seems fair, and I think I think the players, you're going to hear that when we listen to them speak over the course of the week. They're going to say, look, the course is really tough, but it's in amazing condition. It always is. Um, but it's a fair test in a way that sometimes we hear players complain about it not being fair. Yeah. I think I think for the most part, not just because they all have reverence for Oakmont, 
they're gonna they're gonna say this is a fair test. Okay, I like that. I like that you said hidden trouble too, because what's interesting to me is this course. There's no water hazards out there, uh, which is always an interesting facet, especially for just how a course looks on television. The trouble on this course isn't exactly blatant. You said there's hidden trouble out there. You kind of find it once you're on top of it, right. uh, which is kind of uh, I found it a lot. Yeah, you know the super fast <laughs> greens, the the church pew bunkers, like, would you agree that, that the trouble is kind of something that you notice once you're on top of it? Yeah, it, it is. So, you know, you, there are 300 or so traps at Oakmont. And when you're finished, you go, mm, I found a third of them. Like you're going to hit into the sand because it's strategically placed, not just everywhere, but it is also everywhere. So you don't know how hard it is to hit out of that sand trap until you're in it because you can't really tell from the tee box, okay, how high is that lip? Can I, wh what is my angle of, a, of attack in this shot? So, you know, you think, oh, I, I can miss left. Well, maybe, but maybe not. And so like on 18, I'll give you a good example. I hit what I thought was a perfect drive and I crushed it. And it was a little left, but like should have been in the fairway. And I walk up and it's in the sand. And they actually shaved off the lips on a lot of the bunkers this year or in the last couple of years. So that balls that would have stopped sort of on the upslope before the bunker are now going to roll in. Mm -hmm. And you're going to see a lot of guys have to play out sideways. Um, there were someone in my group had to play out essentially backward yeah. at one point because it was just like, I, what am I supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. um, but again, if you're going to if you can hit it in the fairway, if you're Jason Day and you can take a two iron off the tee and you know you can hit the fairway. I think that you can play smart, and I think I don't think four, plus four or was it plus four when Angel Cabrera won? I don't think that's I think it was gonna, five, but regardless, right? But it was something significantly over par. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be the number this year. I really don't. I mean, I think it's going to be something near par, and and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if something under par one. It's not like that's never happened at Oakmont. We have seen it. Yeah, uh, the the fun part about the USGA is, especially with this event, is that. They're not afraid to trick it out. Um, no. And, you know, there's this kind of a mentality, it seems, with that organization to make this the toughest test. And the, the course itself it makes it the toughest test and how they decide to trick it out um, with that par three, that, that super long par three yeah. being one of their toys, I guess. <laughs> uh, that will be interesting. I guess, in your opinion, having played the course, sizing it up this week, what do you think – is there a most important or significant hole out there? Is there a significant stretch of holes at which a lot can happen both uh, for better or for worse? You know, I think that there are, there are a couple of them. Um, I, I think it's going to be really important in the first three holes. Um, the, the first, the first hole is, um, you know, one of the longer par fours and the second hole is a short par four. And then the third hole is the church pews. And it's a hard hole because it's sort of a blind approach shot. And once you once you get through the first three, I mean, I think as much as that is true on, on every golf course, but starting well, it can it can spiral out of control in a hurry just yeah, because. Yeah, real quick. Yeah, and, and you're going to start to press. And you're going to start to, you know, try and, try and put more pressure on yourself to make shots. If you can get through that, and really you should be through the first three holes in one under. You should be. Okay. But – a lot of guys aren't going to be because mm -hmm. it's it's a hard set of holes. Um, I also think if you look at like seven through twelve, 
there's there's a stretch in there. Nine is extremely difficult. It's long. Um, the green complex is absurd. You look at it and you go, is that a practice green and a regulation green? Like it's like <laughs> it's like a hundred square. It's like three times the size of my apartment. It's it's huge, and they can put the they can put the stick wherever they want. Yeah, and they can be as as um, you know beguiling to the players as they want to be, um, and. It's it's there's no stretch of holes that isn't important. I'll say that. Yeah, like there's no let up in this golf course. Yeah, that's cool. I I really like that, and, and it'll be crazy to actually walk around during the event in a few days, and and actually see these players size up every single shot because you look you go to a major, and in a lot of cases, there's going to be a stretch of holes that are quote unquote easier than the rest, and Oakmont just doesn't seem to have that, mm -hmm. and. Like the home of golf, St. Andrews, it's almost at its peak in terms of uh, what can be done to that course to make it uh, playable and, and competitive on, for the best players in the world in 2016. But Oakmont has like stayed the course decade after decade, year after year, which is just really a testament not only to the course, the the designer of the course, but also just like the luster of it and what they've continued to do with it. It's it's really cool. Yeah, Mike Davis um, said. We're gonna play this essentially the way that we played it in 07. Yeah. We're not really gonna change it. Down to some of the pin placements are just gonna be the same. Um, and, and we saw then that it was 16, 17, 18 was the stretch. Mm -hmm. And that and I was gonna say that, but it felt a little bit like a cop out to say the final three holes are, yeah. are the most important yeah. stretch. But what they can do there is so interesting because there's a there's the par three sixteenth, and there's a there's a the only one of the only holes on the course that doesn't sort of play straight on is 17. It, it sort of doglegs up the hill. Um, and that was where Jim Furyk ran into problems. And uh, and then 18 is just a long par four, beautiful back into the clubhouse. But there's trouble if you don't hit the fairway as it, there is on every hole. But those three holes, I think every day are going to be really important that, that people are able to not, not, not blow up there, for lack of a better phrase, because um, those three holes, I think, no matter no matter what day you're playing, um, they're going to play differently every day because mm -hmm. of what the USGA can do with them, yeah. especially 17. So you have to you have to pick your spots and, and play strategically on those holes, maybe more than some of the other yeah. stretches that are out there. In that sense, they might not even be playing uh, like an 18 hole course. They're actually kind of over the course of four days, probably playing like a 23, 24 hole yeah, right. course. And everything is different. But all right, Buko, should be a fun week here in Western Pennsylvania. Just hoping the weather cooperates during the event when actually uh, birdies and bogeys and probably double bogeys are being made. That's enough from you and me. Let's talk with Bob Ford. If you don't know Bob, then you probably don't know Oakmont quite as well as you think you do. Bob is head professional at the course, a role he has been in for nearly four decades. He's played the course with countless pros, from Tiger Woods to Phil Mickelson to Arnold Palmer. Mr. Ford is so important to the history of the course that the city of Pittsburgh has named the week of June 13th to June 20th as Bob Ford Week. It's hard to imagine a greater honor that could come from the area that you call home. Mr. Ford truly is the educator of Oakmont, and he joins me now to help us understand this track that the pros will slave through over the next few days. So, Bob, first things first, how excited are you for the U.S. Open to finally start? Well, Sean, you know, the bad news about it starting is that it ends pretty quickly in four days. So, you know, it's like a wedding. You plan for years, and then, uh, you know, in a couple of days it's over. So, But I'm anxious. Uh, 
the whole city's anxious, the club is anxious, the members, and uh, certainly the ground staff who's been preparing this golf course uh, for quite some time for this championship. So we all can't wait. No kidding. I know that uh, having talked to plenty of people in the industry that host U.S. Opens, uh, the next one is actually going to be at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin next year. I know a couple people in the pro shop there, and and it's just kind of like the longest wait it feels just to get this event to begin. Uh, when when do people actually begin, uh, like the USGA? How many years in advance do they start going to Oakmont and, and checking things out again? Well, we've had uh, Charlie Howe has been the USGA representative here. He's been here for two and a half years, and uh, he will leave here in the fall and go to Shinnecock, which is going to host the Open in 2018. So, you know, it's a couple year out for those guys. They do a phenomenal job, uh, just amazing, the city that they've put together here at the club. And Charlie's been a big part of all that and has been a great uh, great fan of ours and a great supporter for us, and, uh, and our relationship is fabulous. Is it ever, uh, I don't want to use the word intrusive, but it, is it ever, is it, do you understand, I guess, having hosted the Open so many times that, that that's just part of the process that they need to get out there and kind of do their thing to get everything ready? Well, they, they do, Sean. You know, it's changed so much over the decades. You know, uh, I, I hate to feel like I've been here for 100 years, but, <laughs> you know, back in the 70s when Johnny Miller won, I mean, it was uh, a little ma and pa show. And in 83, you know, I took over in 80, so 83 was really the first one on my own. And, uh, you know, it was nice, but it was, you know, what what it has become has just been just phenomenal. And <clears throat> those guys do such a great job. You know, our, our members are, you know, when they sign up to be a member here, they know what they're getting into. They know that mm-hmm. uh, we're going to host Opens, and there's some implications with that. You know, the, the, the worst of it all, really, is the rough, you know, playing – golf out here you know typically it's very hard and then that throw the rough in it really really gets to be you know a tough thing because you're out there looking for balls a lot and it it really you know that's probably the biggest imposition is the rough so uh when you say that do you just mean that the usg likes to grow it out a little bit more than maybe it typically would well you know you you know it's something it's like a haircut you know once you get it once you get a buzz cut you can't you know it's going to take a while to grow it so we started growing the rough a couple of weeks ago, and you know, here in western Pennsylvania, with the weather in the spring that we always have, it grows, it flourishes, and uh, they actually cut it back yesterday, if you if you can believe that, to a pretty reasonable height, actually. But you know, the past couple of weeks, it's been pretty miserable for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I totally understand. I, I I guess when you think about Oakmont, uh, the media and the people around it, the fans. It's a course that its reputation is uh, it's incredible. But before we really uh, delve into the course, can we briefly discuss Bob Ford Week uh, and something that was announced recently in the city of Pittsburgh? Uh, all all week is going to be Bob Ford Week. How how cool is that for you? Yeah, well, it's kind of you know, it's kind of crazy. It's a little beyond my pay grade. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm very honored that the city would you know think of the U.S. Open and Oakmont and that I would be associated with that. It's, uh, it's a great honor. It's a great thrill. And uh, Councilman O'Connor, Corey O'Connor, is the, the young man that really made it happen for me, and uh, I appreciate it very much. And we got a big Penguin game tonight, uh, Stanley Cup, so Pittsburgh is buzzing. No kidding. Are, are you a big Pens fan? Oh, God, yeah. yeah. I'll be down there screaming. Tomorrow I won't have a voice at all, so you're lucky to catch me today. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh now that now that we have have talked about Bob Ford Week, I really can't imagine a, a greater honor, at least in, in the the local area which you call home. That's 
That's super cool. Maybe one day back home they will have a Sean Zock week, but that is plenty of years from now. Um, let's get to let's get to the course. Um, one thing I'm always fascinated by personally is the way that uh, a course, the perception of it, is handled by the media, by fans, by everybody in the run up to the event. I don't think it happens very often that we see a major tournament nowadays, especially the U.S. Open, where almost all of the discussion leading up to it really revolves around the course, and that's what I feel is happening with Oakmont. Do you really do you enjoy that? So much of the discussion uh, about the U.S. Open revolves around the course. Well, I do. You know, Sean. I mean, Oakmont is one of the very rare golf courses that was born in 1903, and they played in 1904, and they played a U.S. Open in 27. And every decade to follow, except for the war decade of the 40s. So, you know, to still be relevant today is, you know, just a, quite an honor to the to the founders of the club and the designer of the golf course, uh, Henry C. Phones. It was the only golf course he ever designed. And, and uh, you know, it's, you know, when I started here in the 80s, you know, the, the bunkers were out of play. They were, you know, too far away from the fairways, Nicholas and, Weisskopf and Ray Floyd, they all commented about, well, the bunkers are out of play. That's not going to be a problem. And not only were they out of play, but they were also pretty flat and easy to get out of. And, uh, you know, through the decades, uh, you know, you take a great golf course and you make it greater. I mean, that's quite a tribute to the members that have been involved in that process. And, uh, you know, they've taken the bunkers right up against the fairways where they belong. They've deepened them. They're very difficult to get out of. The founder had the fairways, uh, uh, I mean, the, the bunkers furrowed. So, I mean, everybody had to just chip out sideways. And that's pretty much what you have here today. And, uh, you know, when Cabrera won in 07, Sean, he shot uh, 285, which yeah. is the highest open winning score since 1935. So, you know, what happened? I mean, we made it made it harder. The bunkers have made a big difference. We took all the trees out, which is a huge story here at Oakmont mm-hmm. that opened the floodgates to the world, uh, especially in America, to take trees out that are just overgrowing these golf courses and affecting playability, the holes, the agronomics, all that stuff. So Oakmont's really been a leader in the game here in America, and uh, it's just a thrill to be part of it. One note from a sponsor here at the Golf.com podcast, Ritani. A friend of mine just got engaged just last week. He called me talking about how nervous he was that entire process, the process of getting engaged and picking out the ring and finding the correct spot and, more than anything, finding the correct lady. It's a moment that's a pretty incredible moment in his life, and it takes a lot of preparation. If you buy the correct ring, half of those nerves and much of that preparation is swept away, so let Ritani help ease your process. All Ritani's rings are handcrafted in the Big Apple, New York City, down the street from where I live, the fashion capital of America. If you buy your ring online, they'll ship it overnight straight to your door or to a nearby jeweler. If the ring isn't perfect, you can return it without a problem. Ritani wants to take some of the nerves out of this life-changing moment. I am nowhere near getting married myself, but I still checked out their website. It's very intuitive, very easy to use. There's a checklist of things that help point you to the exact perfect ring that you need, which for some guys is exactly what we need. The best part is there might be zero purchase in it for you, especially this month. They're giving away a free diamond. Just visit Ritani.com slash sports. That's R-I-T-A-N-I dot com slash sports for the free diamond giveaway. Something that's harder than a diamond? Oakmont Country Club. Let's go back to my conversation with Bob Ford, head pro. Are you surprised at all? Or I might um, I might not be exactly correct in this perception, but are you surprised at all that there aren't many other courses 
similar to Oakmont in that in that aspect? Well, um, you know, it's uh, you know, I, I mean, it was a philosophy of the founder that you know he wanted the hardest golf course in America. He wanted to host national championships, and uh, when he laid it out, it, he took all the trees off the property. It was a Links-like t- type golf course, uh, which many of the golf courses, you know, go back to Wingfoot and Ballastrol. They didn't have any trees back then. You know, through the years, the members planted trees in honor of whomever, and and now they're hard to take down. And so, you know, philosophically, and the culture here at Oakmont is unusual too. I mean, the members understand that it's a very penal golf course, and uh, we're not into low scores. You know, we're not into soft greens and cushy conditions for con- for a country club, and uh, that's what you get here. You know, most places don't have that uh, that culture. Yeah, and it seems every tournament, especially nowadays with guys shooting 20 under par, 25 under par, that the the uh, perception of a tournament really is in relation to par. But the truth is, the bottom line in golf is just having fewer strokes than everyone else. And and whether that's in the eight, uh, 280s or the 260s, that's what it comes down to. Uh, which is, I think, something that everyone should see, uh, you know, during the week of the event at Oakmont. Well, I, I know one thing. You're not going to see any, any red numbers here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be an over-par score that wins. That that I know. This place, you know, we've had a lot of the players come in this spring, from Rory to Mickelson again, and, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth, Adam Scott, all those guys, and they're all leave here shaking their heads. They, <laughs> they just can't believe how hard it is. So... I guess one of my big questions about that is, do you do you enjoy that? Are you of the philosophy that you don't like seeing uh, lower scores? Is that like a personal thing that you enjoy as well? Well, you know, I, I enjoy the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open's all about survival and yeah. grinding it out. And, and, you know, you don't see low scores in the Open. I know Tiger shot a low score at Pebble and Rory shot a low score at Congressional. Those are unusual things. And Johnny Miller shot 63 here at Oakmont, so... I mean, the golf course is, you know, if you can do it, it's out there. It's not like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And nobody can play well. I mean, somebody always plays well here and shoots some nice scores. But at the end of the day, after four rounds, it'll get you. And uh, it, uh, two, three, four over par uh, will win here in 2016. When you look at the course and how it's being set up for the week of the Open, uh, you've mentioned a couple things, the bunkers, the rough. One thing you haven't mentioned is uh, the greens, which I think is the thing that everyone really likes talking about. Do you think uh, the greens are the most difficult part of Oakmont, or and if not, what what is the toughest part? Well, no, I, I would say the greens are. I mean, Sean, I, I could I could put you on seventy two in seventy two holes. I could have you on the green every hole, so you've hit every green in regulation. You would not break par. <laughs> I promise you. I could do it to Tiger Woods. I could do it to Jordan Spieth, the best putter in the world today. He would not shoot under par. He could hit every green. I could put him in places on the green. He could not do it. Why is that? Well, they're so tilted and undulated. And, uh, you know, if you get on the wrong side of a hole here, you know, you, you just can't make the ball stop. It just keeps going. So you have to play under the hole. You have to be very fortunate. You know, you got to drive your ball in the fairway, and then you got to hit it on the right spot on the green, and you know, then you can have that. And that's what Johnny Miller did. And uh, but it's very rare to have a round like that, and certainly to have four rounds like that is very, very unusual. I I think it's going to be uh, f- just fascinating, and, and I like how you said two or three or four under par is going to win. That's a great prediction. I think that 
uh, once fans get their idea around that, that that's going to make it even more entertaining. When you look at, at the scorecard, you've played this course, I don't know how many hundreds, maybe thousands of times. Uh, which hole, or is there a stretch of holes that is the toughest, uh, the most significant in how the event might be decided? Sean, I, I do. I think there is. I think, you know, number seven uh, coming to the turn here is like 480. Uh, number eight is a par three, 300 yards. Number nine is a par four that used to be a par five for every major until last year. And they didn't move the tee at all. They made it a par four this year, you know, in 07. And then number 10, and number 10 has historically played the most difficult hole on the golf course for the, all the past championships. So you got seven, eight, nine, and 10, four whole stretch there. You get through that stretch and you can do some damage. Yeah. And I think a lot of people naturally are going to talk about 16, 17, and 18, the, first, the finishing holes. They'll be the last holes played. When you look at those holes, it, are they the most exciting maybe? Cause you have uh 16 part three, 17, able to get, now, maybe a little bit closer than normal on most of the other holes out here. Is that are those the most exciting possibly? Well, they are because they're the finishing holes, uh, and 18 is one of the greatest holes on the golf course. I mean, you just got to man up and hit it down there, and you know, <laughs> hit the fairway. There's, there's just, you know, at Oakmont, there's no bailout. I mean, it's not like okay, well, I'll play this hole to the right or I'll play this hole to the left. You, you got to stripe at every hole. The bunkers are so severe, and they're they're on both sides of the fairway. And, uh, you know, 16, as you mentioned, Sean, par 3, you know, it's not one of the greatest holes in the world. It's a great par 3. It's 235, and uh, Cabrera bogeyed it last year, you know, in 07 on the final day. Mm-hmm. Then you come to 17, a drivable 4 that Rory and Adam Scott hit three woods on the other day. Oh, yeah. Like it was nothing, by the way. And uh, so that could be a really exciting hole if a player needs a birdie, mm-hmm. like Furyk did last uh, in 07. You know, he hit driver trying to drive the green. He ended up making a bogey. Cabrera laid up with an iron and ended up making a bogey. It's it's as hard a 300-yard hole as, as you could have. And then 18 is just uh, just magnificent. Let's, uh, let's talk about the scoring conditions um, and... You said two or three or four under over the course of four days would win. When you look at uh, an individual round, let's say the scoring conditions are right, perfect weather, little wind, not that that plays as huge of a role as uh, just the difficulty of the ground out there. In your eyes, what what could be the what do you think could be a best score out there during the week? Like, is is uh, 67 gettable? Do you think, or is that too low? Well, Sean, you know, I I, I misspoke when I said. Two or three or four under. I meant two or oh, three. No, I think I think I misspoke. Excuse me. <laughs> and uh, but uh, you know, in '07, um, Paul Casey shot 66 on Saturday, was the low score of the championship, and uh, you know I, I expect a 65 or 66 out there one day, but uh, certainly not going to be too many of them. Yeah. One thing that I've been thinking about about this course is. That, as you say, it's it's incredibly penal, and it's over the course of four days, it's going to get you. When I think about the best players in the world, and you're trying to choose who you think might win, I actually really have been thinking a lot about the caddies, um, which is it's only a small portion of what uh, what will build a tournament victory. But I, I really think that 
some of the, sometimes the the caddy that best um, maybe pulls the player back a little bit, best understands when to be aggressive, best understands how to get a player to bounce back from a double bogey. Do you do you see that um, being even more of a factor at a, at a course that is so constantly demanding? Sean, the caddies play a very big role in the in the in the winners. You know, whole attitude about the the championship you know they really they really you know the player is so alone out there and uh you know the commentators in the booths are you know it's easy easy to kind of sit up there and 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 see what's going on and report it to the world but uh you know thank goodness the player isn't hearing it we'd make him even more nervous but the caddy plays a big role in keeping him calm and knowing the right thing to say at the right time uh, like this michael greller does with jordan spieth i mean he's a great caddy for him and bones is a great caddy for mickelson and uh you know all, all the players rely very heavily on their caddy have any of these players that have come through in the past couple months have they said anything that surprised you uh have, <laughs> not really they've all said oh my god i can't this place is impossible mm-hmm. <laughs> well then when you look at the course and and how it's played over the course of many opens that you've been involved with it is there anything that's going to be different this year? Like, um, I think the common expectation is how difficult it will be, but is is there anything that you think might be different than it was in 07? You know, there, there's only a couple of really minor things different. You know, we extended the green on number six to get a back right hole location that if anybody is dumb enough to go at that pin, they're going to pay the price. Uh, they should just play to the middle of the green and putt up to it. Um, they took a couple of bunkers out in front of 12 green, which makes that hole more proper, more appropriate, so that they can go for it. And uh, we, and the other minor thing we did was we cut all the rough between the fairway and the bunkers, which is new this year, which means that now the ball dives into the bunker and doesn't stay caught up in the rough. Now, you know, the rough was so penal that it was a penalty itself, but you also were down in a bunker and swinging at a ball in the rough that's like a baseball swing. And it was very inappropriate, and uh, the USGA agreed to let us cut that. And that's, you know, it's a big change. It, it just lets the ball get in the bunker, which, uh, you know, quite frankly, you'd rather have it in the bunker than the rough, but it's it's more proper. Okay. Um, lastly, before, before you go, I guess you've played this course so many times, and you, you used to... You played it in an open setting, and um, you once had aspirations for for playing across the PGA Tour. What is what is your approach when you go out and play that course? Is it is it um, basically what you think the the pros will be doing? What's your approach to to Oakmont? Well, you know, I mean, you start, you know, you got to drive in the fairway, and I, you know, fortunately, I, I've for a long time been a fairly straight driver of the ball, so. You know, that's only kind of the beginning, though, for Oakmont. You know, once you drive it in the fairway, now you got to hit it in the right place on the green and have it, have the right spin on your ball to, you know, control your golf ball, and then you got to be a great putter. So you got to be a very straight player. Uh, you know, guys that are, you know, not, you know, you got to be in the top 50 in driving accuracy to do well here. And okay. then you got to be a top 10 or 15 in, in greens and regulation, and then you got to be, you know, top 15 uh, putters in the, in the the championship. Those are the guys that uh, finish at the top. I like it. Now you said that you would not be surprised if there was a 65 or a 66 shot during the week. What do you think? Uh, do you think that uh, on the 
the reverse of that? Do you think that there's a like an an eighty two out there or something like that? Oh God, there's an eighty eight out there. Trust <laughs> me. <laughs> We're oh taking gosh. money on the over and under of that score. I I, I would take the the over on eighty eight. I wow. promise. Wow. That is that is incredible. Uh, lastly, do you have a prediction of who you think wins this incredible event? I think it's going to be Jason's day. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, Jason's on his game right now. He's unbeatable, and uh, he's a great champion. And, and uh, you know, the cream kind of rises here at Oakmont. I think he's going to be the one. There you have it. Uh, whether or not it will be Jason's day uh, at the U.S. Open at Oakmont, we will find out in just just a matter of days. Huge thanks to Mr. Ford, as well as Peter Bukowski for joining me. If we don't understand Oakmont now, we will just have to wait a few days to find out. Uh, I'm predicting carnage. Stay tuned to the podcast all this week. We're going to recap the events of each day here at the course with various guests on site here at Oakmont from golf.com and elsewhere. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and you'll get all of that sent straight to your phone each and every day. If you like it, which I hope you do, Please leave us a positive review. That'll make me smile. We love doing podcasts, and especially every day at major championships. That's just a tiny bit of support you can give us, and it is much appreciated. Let me know your thoughts on the show, and if you'd like us to talk about anything in particular here at the Oakland U.S. Open, tweet me at Sean underscore Zock. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. We're at golf underscore com. I'll be sure to get back to you. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.